Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 136, our Sunday worship service for October 13th, 2019, is What's Your Story? It's the second in this series, Meaning Fulfilled. The stories we tell determine the lives we lead. It's time to change the narrative, see ourselves as mythological beings, and experience what's truer than true. So our scripture for today is right here on the screen. Let's say it together. Together. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. Which is a fancy way of saying, you know, come on guys, give me a break. It's actually an answer to a pretty deep question. And the question is, how come I have to do Bible interpretation? How come it's not just clear, like Ikea instructions? Well, first of all, life is not a bookshelf. More fundamentally, have you ever put one of those things together? Did it work out the first time? Did you get halfway through and have to take it apart again and put it back together? When you were done and there were a bunch of parts left over, where did you hide them so the other people living in your house didn't know you messed it up? Life is not a bookshelf, boys and girls. And in fact, you know, I get the question. People say, I don't want to have to think about it. I don't want to have to interpret. Just tell me what I got to do so I can go on autopilot. But ask yourself this question. Do you really want a life that goes on autopilot? Life is a participation event, boys and girls. It's time to want the ambiguity, to want the mystery, to want the adventure of it, because that's where cool stuff happens. Not to put too fine a point on it. And even the things that feel pretty straightforward, like the golden rule, you know, that one, do one to others as you would have them do one to you, that whole thing, feels pretty straightforward, feels a little bit like Ikea instructions. But wait a minute, it's not so clear. What does it mean? Who's the other person? What do I do? What if I want a sandwich and he doesn't? All of a sudden, I got to think about stuff. Even the things that feel clear, not so clear. And so part of what Jesus was saying was, guys, You have been around a little bit, long enough to maybe know a little bit about what I'm talking about. But most people don't. So we got to say it in a different way. Or to say that whole thing differently. You ready? Facts are not the appropriate vessel to contain meaning. Data is not big enough to put your heart in. We need a different container for what's important. That container, the place to put your meaning, the place to put your heart, the place to put what's calling you, is it your data? It isn't something that your Apple Watch can track. (laughs) It's your story. I mean, think about it with me. When a culture is exiled, you know that we can see that happening with the children of Israel in the Bible, but history is full of examples of this. When a culture is exiled, when they lose everything, they lose their location, they lose their possessions, they lose those kind of physical connections, what's the only thing that remains? And what is the first thing that they create? It's their story. 
what lives on. When everything else is gone, and this is a pretty good indicator of what's important, what lives on when everything else is gone is their story. Let me put all that a different way. It is a bittersweet part of my job to do funerals and memorial services. I say bittersweet because it is an honor. It's part of my calling. And I am, I am deeply touched that I get to say, you know, life is not contained in this body. It goes on forever. And there's a beauty there and a poetry there and a mystery there. And I'm so honored by that. But it's also hard and sad for all the reasons that we know. But I've been to a lot of funerals. I've been to a lot of memorial services. I've done a lot of eulogies. And you know that moment at the very end after the guy with the Bible's done talking and everybody gathers around and hugs each other and tells their stories? I have never had anybody come up to me and say, you know, that was a very beautiful service, but I would have liked to know more about what their shoe size was and what they ordered when they went to Chinese restaurants. I'd like to know more about their height and weight and vital statistics. How come you didn't put that in? Come on. Hmm. Where is truth? Is it in your data or is it in your story? When you think about the story of your life, nothing significant has ever pivoted on the data, on the facts and figures. Nothing significant is contained in data. And I say that because it's really important. So many people spend so much time chasing the numbers. I'll be a better person if I can make a little bit more money. I'll be a better person if I can do a couple more sit-ups. I'll be a better person if I can add these things to my portfolio, right? Think about it. Can that do anything for you? Really? There is. Here's the thing. If you're writing stuff down, this is the thing to write down. There is nothing significant about data, and chasing data will make you feel insignificant too. And you know it because you've done it. But I'll put all that a different way. Life isn't asking for your data. Life is asking for your story. That's all. That's it. So what's your story? What's the thing that you tell people? What lives in you? And just as your moment of review, we've talked about the idea that when something is meaningful... It has two elements to it. Remember, we talked a little bit about this last week. When something is meaningful, it gives you connection and it gives you location. When something is meaningful, it makes you feel a part of something bigger than yourself. There's the connection. When something is meaningful, it gives you location. The universe says you are here and you feel grounded in something. That's what we talked about last week. And as part of that, as part of your ongoing homework, I want you to think about the parts of your life that have given you that sense of connection and location. Think about the moments in your life when you felt part of something, when you felt grounded. And as part of your ongoing homework, I want you to go out hunting for those moments. Go looking for those things. It's so easy to get caught up in what does everybody want for dinner or what's this thing and can I be right about this whatever it is so easy to get caught up in that. I get it. But take some time every day to go looking for the things that connect you and ground you. I swear, life works better to the degree that we become collectors of meaningful moments. 
And something amazing happens when we collect enough of them to get a little bit of perspective. When we collect enough of them, we realize that it's not just that I'm connected to this person. It's that me and you are connected to something bigger than us. It's not that I'm connected in this moment. It's that you and me are connected to something beyond space and time. So here's my thesis. Meaning connects us and locates us beyond space and time. And that's a lot. So much that I go back to what I said before. Meaning cannot be contained in data. We need a bigger vessel. So I say again, what's your story? Do the people who love you know your story? Are you sharing it? Have you ever sat down with somebody you love and said, what's your deal? What makes you tick? I don't care what you want for dinner. What's your story? What, what moves you? Become a collector of that in other people and become a sharer of that. That is what we are called upon to do. But you know that because it's part of the human condition. From the very beginning, when you think about what we see on cave walls, for example, later on in hieroglyphics or on pottery or even spray-painted on the side of a building, it's not a grocery list. There's a story. And those myths and those rituals fulfill an important part of our heart because they connect something big with us here in the moment with our life. We paint the painting because we believe that, that somehow the universe takes care of its own, that there's some God up there doing that. And so we tell the story of a good hunt, for example, if we're cavemen and women. Cave persons, I don't want to be politically, paleolithically correct. You like that one? That's good. I've got this big idea, so I tell the story and I do something about it. And that idea, there's a spirit and a soul and a body to what I do, is the secret to your miracle. You're working on some kind of a healing. You're working on some kind of a prosperity demonstration. You're working on, I just want my life to work. You're working on that kind of a thing. Have your concept of what you do next contain the idea that there's this big something. And it's okay if you don't understand it. God is more than logic and reason. And that big something informs the story that I tell, which informs the way that I live my life. It's what everybody wants, whether they're working on a specific thing like prosperity or whether they're just answering the big questions like why do bad things happen to good people. It's what we want. Okay, that's a lot. I get it. So let me say it differently. You are called upon to make sense of your life. But I don't mean logic. You're not called upon to make logic of your life. You're called upon to make sense of your life, like your senses. You are called upon to feel something. Isn't that what you want? I know God's happening somewhere out there. I want to feel the miracle in my life. I got stuff to do. I got problems to solve. I've got heartache. I feel weird. I want to feel it. So if you want a life that works, here's the formula. How can I feel what I know to be true in my heart? How can I experience what I know to be true in my heart? How can I feel it? That's the question. And if you work on your answer to that question, what you're really working on is a life that, that has meaning. How can you tell your story? That's what we're really talking about. Because here's the thing. You can't change your life until you change your story. This is important. You can't change your life until you change your story. 
We are called upon as Christians to welcome the stranger, to take care of each other, whatever you do to the least of these and so many other parts of Scripture that you know so well. We are not called upon to question it. We are not called upon to see if the stranger deserves it. That's not our job. We are called upon to see brothers and sisters. We are called upon to welcome the stranger. But if my story is that people who are different than me are bad, I will never get to the place I'm supposed to go. I'm supposed to welcome the stranger, but if my story is that strangers are no good, I'm never going to get there. It doesn't matter how many people love you. If your story is that you're no good and you don't deserve love, no one can prove it to you. You can't change the facts until you tell a different story. I'll put that another way. Human history is full of examples of institutions, political and sociological and religious and otherwise, that were, let's say, playful with facts, antagonistic to facts, but they had a strong story, so they got people to do things that maybe weren't so healthy. You can fill in the blanks. Hmm, that's interesting. If I am a person who chases the data, if I am a person that tries to demonstrate my self-worth by changing the numbers around, I am very vulnerable to a bad story because I'm not looking for the right thing. And maybe in your own life, somebody told you a dumb story like you weren't any good. And if you chase the numbers and the data, you don't know to change the story. But the good news is you can change that in an instant and change everything. What if you tell a different story? What if the story you tell matches something that's in your heart? It's the job we are called upon to do is to tell a story. You ever find an old picture, like in a drawer, an attic, a basement, or just been to an Italian restaurant because they always have pictures of strangers on the wall? I don't know why. It's just a thing. Have you noticed that? They all do. You ever find an old picture and you don't know who the people are in it? Well, you've got all kinds of data, right? They say that a picture tells a thousand words and all of that kind of stuff. And you can, you can figure out from the picture kind of what time frame it was taken in by the clothes and the environment. You can figure out the people in it, maybe a little bit about their relationship to each other. Oh, that looks like a father and son, for example. You can tell eye color if, if it's a color picture. You can tell all kinds of information about it. You can even infer some things by where you found the picture. You've got loads of data, but you don't know anything about about the people in the picture. Data ain't it. You need the story. So ask yourself, what are you showing people? Is it a picture? Is it the outer stuff? Or are you sharing something deeper? We are here to share a story because that's where meaning lives. It's the idea of sharing your myth. You know me well enough to know that that's a pet peeve of mine. The, the word myth is often thought of as a lie. Some people go, oh, that's a myth. That's not what the word means. You know that if you've been around me for more than five minutes. I'm big on myth, not just because of the speech impediment that it, that it implies. I'm big on myth because, like I said, that's where truth lives. I'm big on myth because myth doesn't mean lie. Myth means something that's truer than true. For example... Does it matter if George Washington really chopped down a cherry tree and said, I cannot tell a lie? Does it really matter if he really threw a silver dollar across the Potomac or whatever it was? Does it really matter if, if he stole the Constitution? Oh, no, wait, that's Nicolas Cage. It, does it matter? Seeing if you're awake. 
The thing is, it doesn't matter what happened physically because the story is about truth and honor and integrity, things that we want to have going on in our life. Our story is bigger. A myth is something that's truer than true. And that's why we tell the story. And here's the thing that's really important to know. The truth comes out over time. The truth of a myth comes out over time. Think about the myth of your life. Think about the story that you hold in your heart. There were amazing victories in your life. Everybody's got a story about how that's when I knew that I had to marry this person, or that's when I knew that I had to get the heck out of there, or that's how I knew I had to take that job or invent that thing. Everybody's got a story. When you look back at your life, that omega point seems inevitable. It seems inevitable that, that Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak would have invented the personal computer. It seems inevitable. But when you read their story, you realize that they could have very easily not. They could have very easily made other decisions. It seems inevitable when you look back that you had to quit that job, but when you were in the middle of it, maybe it didn't feel like that. Truth comes out over time looking back. And when we tell our stories as a people, as a tribe, truth comes out as we play that wonderful game of telephone and the data starts to filter away and the truth kind of rises to the top. We get to the place where we don't really care what size Birkenstocks Jesus wore. But we care about his love, right? The truth comes out over time. And I need us to know that together for a couple of reasons. First of all, because sometimes we go, yeah, I get it. God is right here. I get it. I'm, I'm in the kingdom of heaven. It's in my midst. Like Jesus said, I get it. It's all right here. So what's the problem? It's so easy to get impatient for the miracle, and I feel that. But I need you to know that truth comes out over time. And so what I'm trying to tell you is be gentle with yourself. I'm trying to tell you that it takes the time it takes. Yes, God is fully here. But it might take you a minute. Give yourself a minute. Because the struggle to make this happen is exactly what's in the way. Truth comes out over time. I say that because I want you to be gentle with yourself, but I also say it because there's an interesting sociological thing going on here. What happens when you live in a documentary culture where we're fascinated with right now? We don't give ourselves time to simmer for the truth to kind of bubble up. What happens when everything we do is on Instagram and Facebook and there's no time for anything but what's brand new? Where is it if we don't give ourselves time? And all of that is a long way of saying, I finally figured out why I don't like selfies. I don't. You, you've heard me talk about it. I'm not crazy about selfies. And it's not just because the, the generational boat has passed me by. Yeah, I'm too old for it. I get it. Fine. But that ain't it. I also don't dislike selfies because they're so needy. I mean, they are. Please like me. Oh, yuck. No good thing happened after please like me. Think of your own life. <laughs> I could tell you a story. It's not that. It's not even that it distracts from the right now. It's like here and now I'm experiencing this thing, but now it's not me experiencing it. It's you experiencing me experiencing a picture of me experiencing it. Yuck, I don't need, it's not even that. Here's why I'm not crazy about selfies. I'm not crazy about selfies because they are trying to crystallize exactly the wrong thing. Because just like a picture on the wall at Carabas, it captures all the things that don't tell you anything. 
It's an attempt, when I take a picture of myself, I am trying to make myself a factual rather than a meaningful being. I'm sharing and I'm asking for the wrong thing. So quit it. No more pictures of you in front of nachos. I'm over it. You're beautiful. Nachos are good. Case closed. Let's move on. But so, what is meaningful. I mean, let me be clear. I get it. I understand the promise of social media. I mean, we have a desire to share. We want to be a part of that. That's beautiful. I mean, nowadays we don't have cave walls or pyramid walls to ride on. We have our Facebook wall. So, okay, let's honor that. And if you really look at the things that people write and share on Facebook, you know that most of those stories are not factual. There's a story of, you know, I was in line at Walmart, and I just saw that those people weren't going to, you didn't do that. And the person that you stole it from didn't do it either. You know what I mean? There are so many of those stories, and they're not factual. But you know what they are? They're mythological. The reason that we share them is we, we probably know they're not true. We share them because what is true is that we want to live in a world where people take care of each other. That's beautiful. We want to live in a world where we speak truth to power, where we stand up for what's right. That's beautiful. And if it has to start here in a story that didn't happen about what happened at Walmart and the 10 items or less lane and somebody had 11 items, but I let him through because I'm a good person, fine. Because we have that call in us to share something beautiful. All we got to do is answer the call. You see it all over the place. You see it in things like conspiracy theories. Let me be clear. I am not interested in the flat earth theory. I'm not interested in chemtrails. I'm not. But I'm also not here to judge people who are really, really motivated by that stuff. I don't believe in it. But that's not the point. The point is that the people who do subscribe to conspiracy theories, that desire comes from the, the, the place of their heart where they say, I want to I know something. I don't want to be fooled. I want to be part of something bigger than myself. I want to be connected. And the, the, the brain that makes the myth that somebody's out to get you is the same brain that in ancient Greece would have made the myth that Zeus lives on a mountain and doesn't like it when you say bad things. And that brain is one that is called for truth and beauty. So, okay. All you have is a story that's not especially connected to real life. And when you look at the other end of the spectrum, you see something like a sporting event, which looks mythological. I mean, think about it. It looks like gladiators, and there's colorful shirts, and there's things, and there's the vuvuzela, which is probably the most sacred instrument. And you have all kinds of stuff going on. You've got a practice that looks religious. But there's no story there. Why are you rooting for these people? Oh, it's the Tampa Bay Rays. I love the Rays, too. Are they from Tampa Bay? Most of them are not. Well, you're rooting for a shirt. I like that shirt. I own one. That's not much of a story. We are called upon to infer meaning. And the meaning is something like, I want to be part of something. This is my community out there. The meaning is something like, I want to win, and I celebrate the victory. I celebrate physical excellence. I celebrate something. There is a story there, but we got to go fish for it. So you have practice without story. You have story without practice. Something amazing happens when we bring those two great tastes that taste great together, together in a real life where we ask for something that matters.
when we stop putting up with being quantified by the data and we start realizing that your heart, your life, your you is so much bigger than that when we start asking to tell a different story. That's what life is asking for. So go back as part of your ongoing homework and think about what is meaningful to you. What has moved you? The more you think about those moments, the more you'll realize what your story is. The more you'll know what's on your heart. Because you see, the stories that, that we tell, they, they live in us. But the thing that most people don't know is that we live in them too. The story that we tell determines the boundaries of our experience. And people have been told terrible stories that God isn't crazy about them that they're no good, that we're supposed to hate and fear people just because they're different. Those stories aren't very good, but we can't change the world until we change the story that we tell into something that matches the beauty that's in our hearts. And it's there. You've seen it. It's what got you out of bed this morning. What I need you to know is that every story only becomes a story when it's shared. So I ask you, by what you say, by what you do, by how you carry yourself, what is the story that you're telling the world? Is it one you want to tell? Today and from now on, I want you to choose a story that heals. I want you to choose a story that's true. I want you to choose a story that empowers because you deserve it, because you can write a different story, because you can choose. And because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for listening along to the services and being a part of this extended church family. I love the idea that it's not something that's bound by a particular physical location, although I want you to know that you're always welcome to come join us. Our street address is 1000 3rd Street South in St. Petersburg, Florida. It's an amazing thing to be a part of this physical community. But one way or another, I want you to know that you're part of a larger family. And this meaning series that we're working on has to do with finding out what really matters in your life and making a life that matters for everybody. So with that in mind, there's all kinds of things that I want you to know about. There's all kinds of things to try and do that's going to make a difference in your life. And to find out more about the different homework and kind of things that we have going on, please find us on the web at waterandstonechurch.com. That's waterandstonechurch.com, all spelled out. And you can find uh, our address, service times, links to all kinds of things that we're doing, and most importantly, links to find us on all kinds of social media. We'll be posting a lot of movies and things on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter. You can subscribe to our newsletter, all of that. The two big important links are, once again, waterandstonechurch.com and at Waterstone Min, M-I-N, at Waterstone Min. That's where we are on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So find us in those places. We'll be looking for you.